enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations final girl chase after her don't let her get away but first the slumber podcast massacre Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every single week, Tim and I are going to jump together and talk about a different film in the horror genre from your not known movies to your well known movies. And (laughs) at the back of your video store shop. Anyway, this week, Tim and I are going to talk about the 1985 slasher. The Mutilator. Tim, when you were a kid, did you ever get excited for Fall Break? (laughs) That's a good question because I don't – is it just my memory? I don't remember us having a Fall Break as as little kids. Right. I think we got like a four-day weekend. Like that was was Fall Break. in high school, oh no, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of when they introduced midwinter break. <laughs> like that, that was the one where we're like, like not that we were like not gonna enjoy having it, but it's like, what? Like midwinter break? But no, fall break. Um, I guess we just called it Thanksgiving, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> pretty much is that is that is that kind of what it was? It and was. um no, looking forward to fall. Well, I loved fall because um, we all know that even as a kid, I, I was into into horror. So that's what fall meant for me. It meant Halloween. It meant, um, you know, the crispness in the air. I still feel that now. Like it probably happened for the first time this year. I think it was maybe two weeks ago was the first morning that I walked outside and you get a little bit of that fall crispness. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's, it's energizing. It's invigorating, you know? And um, so, yeah, I, I love this season. It's my favorite season. So as far as like actually looking forward to it on like a school calendar, uh, not so much, but this time of year is my favorite by far. Never had any big fall break plans. <laughs> <laughs> No, I ne- I never. There's nor a reason did we- no movies ever been called Fall Break before. Cause- well, it's true, and yeah, let's just let's just say that real quick. The alternate title, which we'll get into later, the alternate title for the Mutilator is Fall Break. Um, it was originally titled Fall Break, and you know, it is kind of funny. Like I never thought about it, but it's sort of a funny phrase in general because you know you fall and break something. <laughs> right. um, so it's it's kind of clever. I mean, it's. It's not hilarious, but it's it's clever. Um, it's the same for spring break. You spring up. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, but it is kind of. Sure, but you're we're right. The first like, ones to ever. Can't believe no one's uh, <laughs> uncovered those jokes before. <laughs> but it is like um, like there are people out there that bitch about like, are they just going to make a horror movie about every single holiday? And you know, they're always making these movies and. I mean, to their credit, like fall break does feel like you're stretching it a little bit. Right. Like, I remember they just Mad put- Magazine when we were kids about this time, and there was a whole joke one on Arbor Day. It was an Arbor Day horror movie. <laughs> yeah, why don't they just have one called Bank Holiday? <laughs> like, it would like the most innocuous day to have a holiday for. But no, but it, it I guess day. it. I guess it works. You know, if, if anything else, it makes you feel bad when you're watching this because you're like, God, did I just miss out on a huge part of life by not making big <laughs> plans on fall break? Right. Like, I didn't know it was a big thing. 
Well, let's get into this movie. Tim, uh, this is The Mutilator, written, directed, and produced by Buddy Cooper. Uh, it had a $1 million budget. It starred Matt Mittler, Ruth Martinez, and Jack Chatham. And Tim, I'll tell you what, in a week that saw the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Donald Trump trying to ram in a Supreme Court justice after saying that he doesn't think mail-in ballots should be counted and that it should go to the Supreme Court. I'll tell you what, never have I looked more forward to seeing someone cut open by a boat propeller in my life. Like, what a breath of fresh air that was for this week. It was just nice to kick back and watch some blood spray and wash all the cares in the world away from you. Well, right. And and that's that's what you hope to get when you pick up a movie box entitled The Mutilator. Like it's it's kind of it's the best name change, the most successful name change that a movie has ever had. Like Fall Break, who who wants to see that? Like who who even has an interest? Yeah, when they but were the- first trying to push this movie around uh and, and they were looking for distributors and one of them the guy the people who bought it were like all right show us your press material the guy's like dude this is garbage this is crap we can't sell fall break and some secretary was like how about the mutilator because this made me uncomfortable <laughs> they were like that's oh, great well yeah i love it because i mean we've seen other like or or er like movie titles before you know terminator executioner i think there was even one called the annihilator that had that one football player that died of aids well who was what was that dude he played for the raiders i think oh brian bosworth no no oh, it was like his, he, had a, he had a beard the only thing that i can think of is greg luganis but i'm 100 percent sure that it's not greg luganis um he's still alive <laughs> Is he really? And yeah. not a football player. And not, not a football player. Not a football player. <laughs> um, no, there was a guy. His name was Lou. Was it Lou? Oh, God, I can't. Anyways, so there's there's been a lot of movies with that with that title, right? Right. But you know what it sounds like to me? It's kind of like when, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're kind of like ramping it up and one-upping each other. And then somebody chimes in with something that's so over the top that you're just like, oh, God, like, <laughs> why'd you have to take it there? Because it's like Terminator sounds tough, Annihilator, and then the Mutilator. Right. Like, that is just no more fucking around when oh. you say that. And uh, so I think you want right. to walk into. No, no. And, um, and it's... Uh, but yet, uh, it is the title and the movie box. We love to talk about our movie boxes. Very brightly colored, primary colors. Kind of, it's cartoon. It's drawn, yeah. and you see these people hanging up on the wall, and you see the 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 title, the mutilator. Like it practically jumped off the video store shelf uh, to us when I when I first saw it when I was about. Oh, it was probably eighty six when I saw it. So I was probably like sixth, seventh grade. All right. And, um, and yeah, it, it, the funny thing is it didn't have a really strong impact at that time other than the, the kills themselves, but, uh, but revisiting it before we get into, to, to Nancy's summary, I want to say the fun thing about researching this movie was I have never had a faster turnaround of disliking a movie into liking a movie. And by fast turnaround, I mean, 24 hours. Like I watched it, I rewatched it, you know, just a couple days ago, uh-huh. didn't, didn't care for it, started researching it, which is something else we can talk about too. Like, should a movie be judged on, on its backstory or just the film itself? But sure. either way, 
by researching it, I was like, oh, the mutilator. <laughs> like, oh, that's sweet, you know? And I really kind of, it, it grew on me in 24 hours. And, I, and now I actually like it. But um, but yeah. But you liked it so before, lots- right? Like you, like from your memory as a child, you liked it. Yeah, like it didn't disappoint for for what we were looking for. I mean, you you pick up the mutilator and and you know what you're what you're looking for, and it definitely delivers that. Um, so yeah, we liked the gore, but I don't remember. <laughs> it's kind of funny to say I don't remember the story very well, but there's probably a good reason for that. It's just not a not much of one. No, um, this is a very uh, color by numbers horror story, right? And, and it's, and I'll tell you, you know, me, I'm the eternal optimist. I, I like to champion everything, but I, as we get into the, the plot, uh, unfolding in this movie, I, I really feel like they missed a step, a huge step in their jump from the past to the quote unquote present, but we'll get to that. What's speaking of story, why don't you give it its best shot at having a story? All right. So here's Nansum. All right. So, uh, a, a young man brings his friends with him for a weekend of partying while he closes up their family beach house, unaware that the father's waiting to take revenge for an accident that happened many years ago. And the father must leave a trail of bodies as he makes his way towards his final revenge. There's the mutilator. Yeah. That sounds way better than it is. It sounds cool as hell. (laughs) Yeah. It it really does, and it, and I mean, with how this movie opens, um, you know, which we'll uh, we'll get to the to history of it in a second, but this movie opens pretty strong. I mean, it, when you've got when you've got a ten year old just blowing his mom's back out with his dad's hardware, hits like, her right in the squib. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he just fucking blows the shit out of his mom's back yeah. and um and it's powerful and you're like god damn i've never seen a, a movie start like this before and uh, it's pretty unexpected um and and then we get that big time leap um into the the movie itself which which you just described and yeah the way you describe it like that sounds pretty cool sounds pretty creepy and although and that opening i'll, I'll say because the opening is all there's no words no nothing is spoken in the opening scene and yeah it is the son is cleaning his dad's guns for his birthday. It's his birthday surprise. Dad, I cleaned all these. Puts a little sign up on it. I cleaned all these guns for your birthday. Aww. First first gun he cleans, he kills his mother with. <laughs> <laughs> so, A, he did not get to the other guns. Uh, so you can so imagine, we lied. Yeah. And you can imagine the father's disappointment on, A, not seeing all his guns cleaned. B, seeing his <laughs> wife dead with his son <laughs> sitting over her dead body. Uh, he, like, smacks the son, and then he just drags the mom into the back room, props her up, puts the dad I cleaned all the guns sign on the mom. Yeah. And uh, proceeds to have a drink because it's his birthday. She's making a she's she was preparing a birthday cake for him. Right. And I'll tell you something that what what stuck out to me most about that scene, other than, you know, the kid shooting his mom, was the fact that, boy, did they ask a lot of that actress who plays the mother. I mean, she's got to play dead for some long extended takes, which I think was the director's wife. I think so. Well, relative, some relative. I don't. Well, yeah, one of the many Coopers in this movie, um, with you know his same last name and and uh, family member. But yeah, she's 
I mean, they, there are like not just a scene of her having to look dead for a minute. There's like three scenes, and she kills it, so to speak. I mean, yeah. she just she, she may be she the best great. actor in the whole movie. Probably, probably. <laughs> um, and but yeah, I don't and know, that, the, but the the not doing, I I I admire the choice and the attempt at doing something artistic like that. A weird flashback where there is no dialogue you know and it's all conveyed through emotion the problem is these people emote worse than wood it's atrocious it's painful i wrote painful yes painful is perfect so watching (laughs) that i don't know like i was mixed but at the same time you can't watch these without being like well of course they're not going to get and then you know amazing actors for this that's just not what you're spending your money on which is fine right um, but it's, well, oof, it's rough. Well, let me just say, let me just say, I'm at a, and I'm going to pose this question to you and to, and to our listeners. Should a film going back to what I was saying about like, not liking this movie and then turning around and, and finding a, a soft spot for it. Should a movie be judged solely on it's the first second, the first frame to the last frame or should it also be judged in the context of of the the world uh, at the time it was being made and the context that it was being written and and made and you know do those things or should those things play into a like or dislike of a movie? Yeah, that's a great so question. let me so good question. So now let me tell you. You don't want me to answer it yet. Go ahead. Not yet. Not yet. You don't get to answer <laughs> until after I'm done telling you because I okay. I might change your mind. I might change your mind. Um, so this movie began production in uh, actually 1983. And what happened was, this is, this is what's so endearing. You've got a, an attorney by the name of Buddy Cooper. And he's just a local uh, lawyer in town in North Carolina. And he writes movie reviews for the newspaper. Um, and he even gets to go into his local movie theater and he gets to see the movies before they're shown to the audiences. And, um, you know, so he's watching these movies. A lot of times it's horror movies by himself. And he's spending a lot of time with cinema in general. And then he says to himself, well, I want to make a movie. And I've, I'm a lawyer. I've done okay for myself. I've, I've got some financing. The it's not a lot. step. Right. So, What's even more adorable than this guy wanting to make a movie himself? He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to, I'm going to enroll in American University, which I used to think was a fake university. Just right. because of the name. Fake. It's, it's a real place. Uh, American University in Washington, D.C. Come to Education College. Right. I used to see that like on infomercials when it would have a doctor from American University. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) Like, yeah, I believe that. American University in Washington, D.C. Boy, somebody stayed up for hours on end thinking the name of that place. Um, But yes, American University is a real place. And he went there, Buddy Cooper, for two weeks and he was going to learn how to make a movie. So he takes a script writing class and he takes a, a filmmaking class and he gets to know his professors pretty well. And one professor uh, of his in particular, a man by the name of John Douglas, uh, decides to, to help him with this project. And, you know, so you got Buddy Cooper sending John Douglas like drafts of a script and John Douglas is, is making um, some, some changes and some suggestions. And um, eventually they get to the point where they feel like, hey, let's make a movie. 
we're going to make a dirty, quick, dirty and cheap $80,000 budget. And we're just going to have like four people and the rest of them will be production um, assistance that we get from the graduate program at the university. So it's like, okay, well, cool. Like, like this is all we need. So they get into it and they quickly realize that they need some professionals (laughs) to help them make this movie. So they go to New York city they start uh, like interviewing some programming classes and like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to make an MMO. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's all it takes. It, it, it? You know, I mean, yeah, it's just a, it's just an entire, you know, like full length feature credit hours in this. So. <laughs> right. so, so they go to New York city. they they find a director of photography. who's also known as a cinematographer. Um, which is a really important job. Like I think a lot of people that, that might not be overly familiar with film probably think that the director has a lot bigger hand in, in the actual filming of a movie than they do. But, but that really falls on more like the DP or the, the director of photography. Well, they find one and, and he's a professional and he says, okay, great. Who's running sound and who's doing this and who's doing that. And they're like, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we need more people. So then go to this thing called uh, NABET or NABET. I don't, it's, oh shit, what is, is it an anagram? Is that the right word for it? Anagram? Am I acronym. getting that right? This acronym. A- fucking acronym. <laughs> I did it again. Damn it. A- acronym. I was there to not let you keep doing it this time. Thank you. So NABIT or the New York Nash or the National Association of Broadcast Employee and Technicians. So it's basically a union in New York. And then they went ahead and hired professionals to help them round out this movie. So what started out as being like a little $80,000 personal investment turned into $650,000 and actual working professionals helping them out. So that's the kind of adorable, like do it yourself story of this. And what's so great is that the town, listen to this, the town was so supportive that when they were filming a scene at a, at the college, there was a, like an industrial like size sump pump working because they had to drain out some flooding that had happened nearby. Uh. And they would actually, the construction guys would turn off the pump while they were filming the scenes and then turn it back on again when they were done just to help them out. That's Isn't that nice. sweet? That's very the co- the oh, cops. I'm trying to think like what, what scenes are at the college? When they're picking oh, up. Oh, when they're picking them up. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And, and even the, um, they talked to the police. The police were shutting down streets for them. And they even went to the police and they're like, oh, man, the only thing we missed was the train because there was a train that would come through, a long train that would take jet fuel to uh, the Marine base that was nearby. And uh, the cops are like, look, we can't, we can't stop the train, but we can sure as hell speed it up. So they would even like wave the train faster to tell it, don't stop, don't stop, don't slow down, just to help them with the filming. Wow. Like, it's very sweet. Like the, the backstory of this thing is just adorable. And um, so it's this true labor of love. And um, like everyone behind the scenes was in the right place at the right time, except the screenwriter. <laughs> right. Because it's the writing. Yeah. The first, yeah. Here here I am painting this fairy tale. That's where it starts to go wrong. The screenwriting. It it goes a little, it goes way back up again when they hire their makeup artist 
for yeah. fuck's sake, because that that elevates the shit out of it. Let's just but get then this it goes, out right in the open. This is two yes. movies. This is a amazing gore movie and a wretched film. <laughs> it, yeah. It, yeah, it like somebody tries to tell you like, oh, you know, it was called Fall Break before and then it became the mutilator. You're like, yeah, I know it was two movies. And here's why. <laughs> right. um, but no, you're you're exactly right. The, when I when I first started watching it and I don't know exactly to what extent they went through in the casting process. It, it wasn't very extensive. Yeah, but... extent seems to be a very liberal use of the word there. <laughs> Right. So I will say this, the, um, the main actor, um, like you mentioned, the boy who shoots his mother and then grows up. Uh, we now see him in the present as a teenager after we do our, our time jump. Yeah, um, Matt Mittler, he, which is he, even a fade. Can we just talk about that real quick? Yeah. That transition? Yeah. Is there yes. a fade or anything? It seems like there is just a hard cut from dad with who's getting the mom drunk too we forgot to mention that he's yeah the still dead feeding mom. her liquor because he's like well if she's drunk she's not dead right um <laughs> but but it's see I've, i seem to remember it's like a hard cut then to this bar that they're at but it's a significant amount of time has has, has changed you're right and it's it, there's so with, with what you just said there is so much wrong with this movie in literally what you just described, because not only do we get a herky jerky jump to the present, but the character of Ed jr. Okay. Our, our main, our main uh, character in this film is like, so just well adjusted, <laughs> you know, like the guy that shot his mom when he was 10 years old, his dad went on to like ignore him and hate him for the rest of his, his youth. And now he's like, let's say, I don't know. He's about killing him. Right. And yet he's this like really together guy going to college. You know, he's got a group of friends. He's, he's pretty, you know, easy going and yeah. funny. And like, you've seen enough of these movies where it's, it, it doesn't take long for you to be like, I know the, and understand the trope that's going on here. And this movie being so color by numbers, like they, 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 they blew their risks in that opening scene. And that's it. That's the only creativity you're getting in a story sense. Like that's it. Right. And buddy Cooper said, cause he was, I read an interview where he was asked like, you know, boy, you you didn't really give the audience very much in that time jump. Um, you know, was that was there more in the script? Did we just lose that in some editing? And he said, no, no, that was <laughs> that's just how I wrote it. You know, he just apparently had a lot of faith in the audience. But see, it doesn't. I mean, all you got to do is put a title that says present day or something. You know, that's it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, you don't you even know anything. who you're looking at. Right. But but even that, it's like what doesn't make any sense is that this kid kills his mom and his dad is obviously not happy about it. But then his dad just kind of put it on the back burner for eight years <laughs> until, and then suddenly decides that he's going to kill him. Yes, that's yeah. Like that part is like it would be made sense. If I don't his know dad if they're had... estranged because here's here's uh, here's <laughs> right. So because he gets a call in the bar, right? About but so th- when I was first watching it, I thought he was talking to his dad because then he comes back to the table and he's like, 
uh, I gotta, you know, my dad's having one of his spells and I gotta go clean up the, or I gotta go close up the house. But when he's on the phone, I went back and watched a bit. Then when he's on the phone, he's like, my dad? So I'm like, he's not talking to his dad? So also, this is some stranger who then knew to get a hold of him at this bar, which is weird in itself. That's just the bad writing. But yeah, you don't know what his relationship with the, the dad is. But like you said, he seemed very well adjusted. He's yeah. not, I would never think like, well, here's a guy who went through some trauma. Right, because usually your standard movie is going to like, maybe the guy is well adjusted, but it'll give him a couple flashbacks to show that he still struggles with it emotionally. Right. But there's none like of Like a quirk or something, or, you know, likes to be isolated, every, you know, or something. Something. Yeah, no, this guy killed his mom and it's fine. <laughs> it's just fine. Everything's fine. And He's but, not the first guy to do it. Let's stop <laughs> dwelling on it. Right. And so, but, but what's, uh, what the other thing that's weird is, and this isn't that strange, but when this movie is written about, when they try to give the synopsis, it is all about like, you know, a young man and his friends are tracked down by this, you know, uh, avenging, you know, killer and blah, blah, blah. But the truth of it is when his dad or whoever made that call to Ed Jr. in the bar, he didn't know that his friends were going to come along. He right. thought it was just going to be him. So like, and now there is some verbiage. I will say this. I'll try to save it by saying this. So apparently Ed Jr. When he's asked it by his friends at the table, like, what did he say? Or what was said? He said, um, like uh, any 10 year old can handle it. And it's time to face it like a man. So maybe his dad, like, was like, I'm going to kill that kid someday, but I'm going to wait till he's an adult. So it's not super weird, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so like, it like, you know, when he's ready to face it like a man or however. So it's goofy as hell, but, but you're right. The time jump really is, is kind of leaves us um, wondering and we're lacking for a lot of information. And not only that, but it's our first introduction to these performances. Oh man. <laughs> and they are, like, there's one scene, not this particular bar scene, which is no great shakes either, but there's one scene very early on, quickly after this, when they actually get to the condo, and I am praying that Big Ed, the mutilator, comes in and chops one of the actor's arms off because he so painfully doesn't know what to do with them. <laughs> like, he's just so uncomfortable. It's like, God, somebody save this fucking guy. Yeah. You know? There is a lot of expressive acting. Every... Line has its own hand gesture or different delivery. Like I seriously, at the end of that bar scene, I was waiting for one of them to like draw the little Mickey logo in the corner, like they do on the Disney Channel, because that was that <laughs> acting right there. Like everything is is every emotion is telegraphed through just how over the top you're saying that line, no matter what. The emotion is or whatever. I can't even say emotion. It's not emotion. It's just like the most basic hacky inflection that bad actors do. Well, and I'll tell you, you and I are both actors and we have, and I'm not going to say that I'm the best. Let's not beat around the bush. We're both great actors. We're both great actors. We are. (laughs) And I'm not great at everything. I don't claim to be, but you and I have both been to auditions before where we have seen people get up and read from a script auditioning for a role. And I just don't get it. Like the funny thing is, is that theoretically everybody should be a great actor. 
because all act, all script writing is, is just trying to imitate life, right? Right. So you yeah. think we'd all be great at it. But some people, when they get that script in hand, they literally say common things in ways that no human would ever say them. And that's the kind of delivery we get by this group. Yeah. Not only the, and the script isn't doing them any favors. There is literally a line. <laughs> there is a line in that bar scene where one of the girls is asked what she's going to do during spring break. And she said, Oh, I wrote yeah. this down. I'm good. I wrote this down. <laughs> because the funny thing is, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that when, when you watch it with closed captioning on, it actually puts one of the words in to make it sound better. Oh, no way. Yeah. But she actually says, I'm going to try to get high score on video machine. I'm no, I'm going to try to get the high score on video machine. Yes. Like, like it's not like, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's like broken English. It's like, did a samurai write this? Right. Like I got a high score on a video machine. Like, <laughs> like it's like it's nothing against samurai, but. No, um, no it was a good samurai. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's like that line doesn't even make sense. And then you're giving yeah, it to it's like people. That word was like almost a placeholder because he's like, I don't know what video games are. <laughs> they're very, to his credit, they're very new. But I'm sure he was just like, you know, over there on that video machine. Yeah. But, but how is there no one who, there has to be at least one person there who's like, well, oh, call it Pac-Man or you know something. Call it Donkey Kong. doesn't matter. Or put, put or the video. <laughs> Put the word the. the in front of it, <laughs> not just video machine. Oh, it's very fair. Very fair. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, so the ineptitude starts there and, um, and you're kind of, you're, it leaves you, it's so inept in, in its acting that it kind of leaves you wondering, like, is, am I not in on, on a joke here? Like, is this purpose? Like, is this like a John Waters movie where people act poorly, like on purpose? Right. Um, but it's it is it's that not. bad, and I, I'm going to ask you right now. Well, let's let's run through our our cast real yes, quick here, so people know what we're talking about. So we've got we've got our big couples, right? We've got Ed and Pam. Those are the main ones. Ed Jr. and then his girlfriend Pam. You've got Ralph and Sue. Ralph, um, I thought that the uh, small teeth guy from the beginning of uh, Chainsaw Two was. <laughs> The most obnoxious character, most annoying character <laughs> ever. No, Ralph. Ralph <laughs> takes the cake for that. So yeah, Ralph and Sue, and then Linda and Mike is our third couple. Um, just want to say right now, uh, I really loved Linda's eyebrows. That uh, it really does it for me, and I was a big fan, big fan of those eyebrows. Of Linda's eyebrows? Oh yeah, she's got some very dark. Like I like a dark but not uh, overgrowth eyebrow, but a prominent eyebrow. Oh, okay. Hmm. Very nice. <laughs> my, I'm my, my poor child. Like they show her, and I'm like, "Oh, look at those eyebrows." She's like, "Oh God, stop it." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that she at least had a defining characteristic for right. you because because Pam now in in Pam's defense, and Pam is Ed Junior, our main character's girlfriend. In her defense, like that character is pretty well established. She's the one that's kind of thoughtful and in charge. She's kind of the mother hen of the group, right? But but the differences between Sue and Linda are almost unintelligible. Like they're 
they, they don't have any really defining different characteristics or am I missing something? Uh, no, you're not, but they're not, I wouldn't say they're the same. They're the same in that they're both undefined, but they do seem <laughs> different. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, yeah, different actresses play the parts. Type, but she doesn't seem it. I don't know. Like there, yeah. Sue, there's just you know nothing about Sue. You at least know Linda is like into having fun, and you know she makes comments about how oh, her boyfriend needs energy for other things. Like they're the fuck couple. Like that's yeah. all they do. So she's at least defined by that. Um, and it's it's strange that she is part of that couple because the other half of that couple, oh my god. This guy is like, and I don't even know what you'd call him. His The actor's name is Maury Lampley, who never went on to do another movie. Yeah, when I said all the acting was over the top, not this guy. Stiff as a board. Yeah, this is, this is absolutely one of the most uncomfortable performances I've ever watched <laughs> by somebody who just would rather be any other place than on that movie set. Yeah, like, did that guy you, audition for this movie? Yeah. I mean, he's, you can see why, I mean, granted, like you've said before, the eighties had a really eighties casting directors had a really bad vision of what an attractive male is <laughs> like this guy. I mean, he's tall, Great he's, body, though. you know, he's got that kind of floppy blonde straight, you know, stick straight blonde hair that they liked, Yeah, but not really good looking in the face. No. And and his delivery. But, but what you but you look at his face and go, he's supposed to be, yes, model. But he does right. But it's, something's off, <laughs> right? And um, he's yeah, like so, an inbred model. Like that's yes, that's a, right. A model of the inbred world. Exactly. No <laughs> our members right. of the inbred community. I stand right or samurais, but um, <laughs> inbred samurais get right out. <laughs> but he's he's so bad but you know here's now here's the paradox of this movie is that you have to decide for yourself how are you going to watch this are you going to watch it and are you going to be critical of that or are you going to like it in the way that fans of this movie like it which is kind of liking it not only in spite of its failings but almost because of its failings like enjoying the awful acting and because i did search this out like are there really super fans of the mutilator and there are there are oh, people yeah. that love this movie and it gets like really high ratings on everything that you look at as far as scores and whatnot yeah because um, the gore is top notch but it takes half the fucking movie to get there so all you have to focus on are these performances which and just scenes that drag on like that fucking what the blind man bluff scene what was that well i'll tell you that i actually enjoyed that but only because i love that game but we call it sardines have you ever played sardines before yes i well i yeah, know so but i know what it is and that's that's what it is i've never seen sardines i don't know i guess it film. was just the lighting quality was so poor like they did not convey it was dark in there you know, well, like yeah. I, I understood eventually that's what it was supposed to be. But through the first half of that scene, I don't think it's that dark. So when she she like sits on a table behind a cooler, I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? I don't understand. Right. And when they touch each other's faces, like, I mean, I, I don't they mean any disrespect, but they touch each other like blind people touch people. <laughs> right. You know, like like that's how dark that. it is supposed to be in there. But it doesn't imply can, that. 
No, yeah. not at all. So I was so confused by that scene. Like by that time, I get it, but still, I'm like, what a dumb game to play. Like, I don't know. I don't. But know. I, anyway, I, I got but, a little off track there. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. But 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 the the other quality, if there's any other quality other than embracing the the silliness of this movie, you've got the gore. That's that's undisputably the king of this film. Um, but there's also this weird injection of fun. And I know that we try to swear off using it's been that a while. Word. It's been a while. You can, but can that theme, when that theme moderation. song, Oh God, that was good. All right. When that theme song comes on, you're this like a fall break theme song. Yeah. They wrote and it. It the sounds like it's for a sitcom called fall break. Yes. And it was written, co-written by the guy that wrote under the boardwalk. Um, yeah, yes, for this movie. And so they've got like a top songwriting talent. Yes. And, and the, the, the song is catchy. I don't know if it's memorable, but it's catchy in the moment. And, you know, these kids are going on this fall break and this like theme, like you said, it's a very sitcom-y sounding uh, song. And then the scene when they go to buy the beer and you have the two actors in the store owners and the acting there, it's not just bad acting. It's like these people have never stepped in front of a camera in their no. life. Yeah. Like, and it's so those sweet. Had to be endearing. friends. But wasn't it endearing though? Like there's so- talk about also that's like, what is, I don't understand the point of that scene. Uh, because so, so what is that guy's name? Ralph. Ralph sees the senior discount, right? And then right. he's like, hey, how old do you got to be uh, to get this discount? Because he's never heard of a senior in his life. And the guy's like, 55, 55. Now, I'll say the first line that that guy gave, I was like, oh, this guy seems natural. And then yeah. every other line came out the exactly the same way. I was like, oh, he's <laughs> even worse than I thought, even worse than I thought. The guy, the clerk. But so yep. Ralph, Ralph is like, if I, how about this? You give me that discount. I'll go buy two cases of beer. And then we both win. And the guy's like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. So then when Ralph leaves, the, I assume the guy's wife comes over is like, you trick someone else into buying another case of beer. I'm like, is that the reason that discount is there? How has he, he's fooling people. Has he done this before to where they bring up the discount and come up with the idea on their, is he some master subliminal? You know, he's like, <laughs> some Svengali. Yeah, uh, like yeah, yeah. Over here. yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't make any sense because I think that the scene is started out by trying to convey that Ralph is like a, you know, like a jokester and he's just sort of like an upstart and everything. So like they have, you know, he's a law student and he's going to argue his way out of everything yeah. and yada, yada. Always so, going. so I get that. Okay. But yeah, the idea. Point. I guess I was the, confused I, by there being an actual moment where they were developing a character and I uh, confused <laughs> it for something else. But you but you're exactly right though. The idea of somehow a senior discount, which applies to everyone all the time every day, is somehow tricking young people into buying more beer, like that makes zero sense. Right. Like I but but it, that couple is adorable to watch. Like it is it's it's like they won a silent auction and got a part in a movie. Like it is it's very sweet. Yeah. Um but uh but then we we finally get to the, to the beach house. So this part's kind of cool. Like I should mention 
the whole genesis of this movie, the very beginning, before uh, the um, Cooper even went to, to write the movie or went to the American University, before all of that, it all started when he was walking on the beach and thinking of horror movie ideas. And he thought like, man, you know, it would be really great, uh, a nautical horror movie. Yeah. Which, you know, he wasn't the first one to think of that because, you know, there, there is a movie called Jaws. Um, but uh, well, like, it, he meant like nautical slasher film. Though. Yeah, like, no, like a nautical yeah. slasher with nautical implements, like nautical um, tools and devices. nature versus man. This is man versus man. Although some of Jaws is man versus man. Don't get me started. Let's go. <laughs> We'll cover it someday. But um, but he wanted to do this nautical film, which does give us this like pretty cool ocean setting. And it's it's kind of an atypical ocean setting. Like it's not like spring break beachy. It's it really captures that sort of abandoned beach at night feel. Like right. it's not it's not a resort town by any means. Um, but, but it's not kind creepy of creepy by setting. nature. They don't show up and are like, whoa, your beach house uh, looks like a murder shack. No, no, they don't. And I guess I will say this. I have never because they get there and the door's already open and they kind of suspect that maybe someone had already been there. I've never seen a group of kids who are only there to fuck try to get the cops there more than these people. (laughs) They are clamoring to get the like, get the police over here, check our IDs, make sure we can have this beer and make sure they know there are six young people alone in this house, not causing trouble. Right. Like one person wouldn't just say, why don't we just wait until tomorrow? No, don't even wait till tomorrow. Give me until like 1030 tonight. Like that's that's all the time I need, please. Um, But uh, yeah, no, you're right. That that part of it is they're a little mature, too mature for their own good there. but but still, it, it's a cool setting. It It is a little weird, though, because the second that they get there, Big Ed is hiding down in, uh, is he in the garage or the shed at that point? Or is that one and the same? I think it's one and the same. Okay. It's like a basement, but it's also the garage. I was so it's like, about that too. Okay, so it's, it's like... The main floor of the house, they have to go up those stairs to get there. So it is like a basement, but it's like a shed. Right. And so, so the, I guess the intention was that he was going to have his son get there. And he was going to be waiting down in the garage. Oh, maybe he thought like he's going to have to come down here to get the the tools to to fix it up because he has his battle axe in hand. Like he's sleeping in in the garage, ready to kill his son the second that he comes in. Put Which, my God, yeah, I don't act. really understand un- when because they mentioned it earlier. Of course, the bad actor he has to be like, here's where my dad keeps those battle axe, and like puts his hand like where it would normally be, and then just pops back down like that's just a normal thing people do all the time. And the girl's like, well, it's missing. So you are like, oh, battle axe, interesting. And then you see it, and it's like a 17th century Arabian, like it's got the spear on the end of it and a weird long arc. It's a weird looking axe. Not something that you would think a hunter who this dad is propped up to be, this master hunter who's never hunted man before, foreshadowed. This is called foreshadowing the movie. Like, (laughs) this is Chekhov's cabin, this whole thing. Everything you see in it is used later. Yeah, and there's, you're right, there's no reason, like, 
it's not like he's got weapons like through the ages of like right. varying cultures, but he just has like a couple. And then he, speaking of cultures, he's got that mask there for like this Mexican, this Aztec mask, which the only, now the, I will say the Mayan God that they mention is a God who slices through clouds with his ax and he creates thunder and lightning. So there is kind of an ax thing there, but I don't expect most people to know that. Here's something I heard in an interview that uh, uh, Mr. Cooper gave his, had he done another movie, it would have been about this archeologist and his like students uncover this, mayan temple or something and he takes the mask and all the kids kind of take a trinket and then they go back to their college and then this mayan god goes out slaughtering the kids to get back his because the of course the professor in terms of the professor couldn't help but put the mask on so the Uh professor has been yeah and i was like well now that sounds like a fucking good movie i want to see that movie but he was way into this idea already yeah, like maybe that would have made sense that like his dad waited so long. Like maybe his dad never cared for him, but then he got his hands on this mask and then it made him want to kill them or something well, like that. Makes the dad uses the cabin to like hang out with his buddies. Like, did the buddies know that he's fucking insane? That he has gone <laughs> off to the end? Like, he... uh, Ed keeps talking about murdering his kid. He keeps talking right. about slowly slicing him across the neck with the battle axe. Do you think he's going to do that? It's kind of weird how he kept a picture of our buddy that got sliced up by a boat motor. Right. That he which is right. Someone with a boat motor takes a picture of it and frames it and puts it in his house. Red flag. By the way, Red that flag. is flag. <laughs> and that is Buddy Cooper, by the way, in the picture. Right. That's the director. That's yeah. The director. But no. Yeah. There's there's several red flags. Um, that that should have popped up with anyone that was in close proximity to this guy to know that he was on a bad path. Um, but, you know, hey, the kids get over it pretty quickly because there's fun to be had and beer to be drank and and, um, and all that sort of thing. Now, it there was there was one scene that I thought was kind of interesting, and, and maybe I just haven't ever seen this before. But the the one couple that would be Mike and um, is that Mike and Linda? Yeah. Yeah, Mike and Linda wander off, and they find this sort of like, how would you describe that? Like, it's like this tarp tent, giant right. tent. I was over like, a they find a biodome somewhere? Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like, yeah, this biodome over this swimming pool, um, which is kind of a cool idea. They've got, like, plants around it and lights and stuff. Yeah. And um, there's an which, interesting... That was part of, like, a motel that I think uh, Buddy Cooper oh. owns. He still runs the motel. Oh, uh, so yeah, I didn't like know out on the pier. Yeah, so like, but I think that was part of the motel that was like yeah. next to where they were filming. Got it. And it it, it kind of um, if we want to start also getting say into this real quick, I think this is the first movie I've ever known of being filmed in North Carolina. Yeah, there's not a lot. No, you no. know. Because like you, know, you don't even know, I can't even say that for sure. But when the cop shows up, he's got a North Carolina patch, so that's the only reason I assume it's and that filmed a- there. It, and that it's actor supposed to be set there. It is filmed in Moorhead, um, uh, which is in North Carolina, and in uh, it's called the Atlantic Beach or yeah. something like and that. That's where the guy's yeah. motel is that he owns. So it's the same motel. Yeah, because I couldn't quite. I wonder if they casted. Well, I mean, aside from the director's family members, if they casted locally, because 
some people have like a like a slight bit of a twang to their voice or to their accents like maybe they're from north carolina probably right. are yeah. um but uh but yeah it's an interesting setting and and that pool if we want to kind of dive into some of these kills now that pool features an interesting one which was actually born out of a failed effect right they were they were going to spear thank god um, cuz if this was what was intended because it's your first kill, and it is the worst. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Some people like get really gaga over this kill because all it is is just slow motion water lapping. The slowest it's, it's a drown. motion. Yeah, it's like they had an <laughs> elaborate scene where she gets speared, and they were just like, we can't make it work. So he's like, well, let's stretch out those 40 seconds with hands coming out of the water. Like, it is the slowest fucking thing. And it's yeah. Also, yeah the, also, this pool, like they're playing, like they can't find each other in a pool. Like they seem, well, I, they both seem very confused as to where the other one is, so much so that a third person can enter the pool, murder them, and drag <laughs> them out. Like it's not like a quick, like, oh, I scooped them up out of the pool and they're gone. That guy got in the fucking pool. Drunk. Took his clothes off. Took his clothes off. <laughs> yes. Like, how long are the other ones under the water that they didn't see him? Like, they do make the they do make the point that it's like heavily chlorinated. I think it's supposed to be like kind of smoky in there or something like that. Or sure. yeah, maybe, but even, maybe. But even still, I mean, you, you can Your still eyes see are them. bleary. Yeah, if they're opening their eyes underwater, I get yeah. it. Maybe, but you, again, but, you should not have to make these many excuses to make a scene work. Like. And if you open your eyes, if you open your eyes underwater in a pool that's that heavily chlorinated where you can't see through it, you're not going to do it again. Yeah, you're not Um, seeing when you come up either. (laughs) But then, of course, yeah, the best acting, too, as as uh, whatever the guy's name is, pops up and doesn't see anyone. You're very good at this. (laughs) That's that's a pretty good, pretty good imitation of what we get from Mike. Oh, my God. Every time, every time that guy opens his mouth, it's just like, I, I it actually, I kind of got excited about his acting because I'm like, I want to see just how fucked up he can make this line. Like, what is he <laughs> right. going to say that is going to some, because there was never going to be a time that he said a line properly. No. Like, never. How can, um, like, how bad can someone say normal yeah. things? <laughs> right. Um, and, and you know, one of the, look, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, one of the other, like, you'd think that that Ralph character, you think that that actor is, like, not as bad as Mike is, but when Ralph, right before his death scene, he says some things where he's supposed to, he thinks that, you know, another couple is behind a door doing it, and he's kind of toying with them a little bit, and the inflection that he's putting on the things that he's saying just makes absolutely oh. zero sense yeah it's just it's just no one would ever ever speak that way um well, it's in you, such an unnatural situation like if you were to talk if you were talking to two people who were behind a door for that long and they made zero noise and responded to you in no way you wouldn't keep doing that you'd just be like hey, fuck you guys i'm out of you know whatever right right or yeah. i'm very worried open this door let me n- at least know you're in there you know yeah and and then he goes to nail the door shut. <laughs> right, he's gonna nail, <laughs> close them in. 
<laughs> right. But yeah, yeah, yeah he talks about that where he talks about he's like a prankster. He's like, I won't play any more jokes on you. And I can't really think of any jokes he plays. There's one where it's like a person, like a, just like a dummy that's hanging. You know, like yeah. he opens the door and you think you're going to get the classic bodies hung from the top. But like Ralph has somehow fashioned an entire dummy to fall when you open the door. But that seems to be the only prank I I remember him doing outside of just being insufferable. Yeah, yeah. That's, his idea funny. of a joke is just the way he talks. Bad joke, dude. Right. Yeah. Well, if I mean, there are times where he thinks he's being funny, but literally there's no humor to what he's saying whatsoever. No. Um, yeah. Just um, insufferable is a great word. Let's also say but, the um, funniest thing about Ralph is his chest hair. Yes. Yeah. Kind of unexpected. <laughs> we were Sophie and I were both like, "Is that real? Did he have none?" And they put fake ones. It looks fake. <laughs> it it's does. An unnatural pattern. It's like that weird curly patchy it's so odd it's the yeah it kind of it's 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 almost like um i mean i i think i we could say this because they're just i think we could say it um it looks to me like the chest hair that an african-american man would have like it's kind of kinky and like naughty you know like and and so it's like that doesn't belong on his body no it's like it, shaped it like a wine glass too. Like it starts yeah. out wide and then tapers into very narrow and then blooms out again at the base. Yeah, I'm not really sure what he was going. If he sculpted that, it was <laughs> it was a failure. Um, let's go. But, back. Let's yeah. get through some of these deaths as we're talking. Yes. We're having two. We love this movie too. <laughs> right. So yeah, we get our first drowning death, which is is pretty anticlimactic. Yeah. And then um, 45 minutes into the movie. <laughs> right. And then we get to, um, is it Mike's death? Mike's death comes next, right? Yes. And he's that looking one. for her. Because now he's, yeah, he's, he's strewn the clothes around and he's following the clothes and there's the panties hanging on the shed door. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that boy, does that drag on for damn ever Ooh. for him trying to like, you know, follow this trail of clothes that, that we know that Big Ed has left behind for to I don't know string out that kill for whatever reason right like, but um well he's but a great once, hunter he knows how to bait his prey Tim I suppose I suppose not that he would have to do that much work to bait Mike into doing no. anything like at then all, he but, uses the loudest thing he can find he cuts Mike over with a open with a boat propeller like he's like nothing so stealthy like gunning up the old diesel engine and tearing through someone. Yeah, that first time where he accidentally killed his friend with a boat motor just wasn't enough. Like he needed that, he needed that charge again. And it's like um, human centipede. He's like, the, the next one will be better. <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the thing is, like, the kill itself is is pretty gnarly. But the best part, the most memorable part of that kill, is more like the death aspect versus the actual killing. Because Mike, the consummate actor that he is. Um, goes into what can only be described as a spastic gyration of, of I don't even know what to say. Like I don't know what to say. His scream is just this one. It's like a Pavarotti, just like a. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. And and yeah, he's just kind of his hands are kind of limp wristed and up, and he's just sort of like. 
like just ambling around and um it's just and it goes on for seemingly ever yeah and uh, before he dies and uh a lot of gore, oh my good God. gore like good like the yeah no the gore's ripped great. open they had like animal parts in there to come out because this because yeah. i watched the unrated version this movie when they first tried to release it they were like we're gonna give it an x and they had to yes. go in and edit it but this is the unedited but watching it i was like i feel like there's nothing more over the top than other shit from that era i'm with you and i was wondering if the version that i was watching which was currently on amazon uh prime video and it's listed as fall break um I I'm assuming that it was the the unrated version because it was pretty gory, but it wasn't. You're right; it wasn't like wildly. Old. I've seen worse. I mean, there yeah. there were worse gore movies that that have come out for sure. But um, so so a kinda, over. just a touch. Yeah, over. we're gonna go a little over. <laughs> so getting to to some of those other kills, uh, Ralph. Like, yeah, because we I don't want to rush through the kills because the kills are the best part. Yeah. Ralph, we're happy to see him die. And the thing is, the, this... I don't the remember how Ralph dies. He gets the pitchfork... Oh, yes. Okay. ...through the throat, mm, into yes. and out the back of the throat. Shuts which, him up. Yes, thankfully. And it's shot in a weird way for whatever reason. I don't know why they did this, but they they hung him upside down. And so the, the what we see is actually upside down and backwards. So they it started with the the kind of you know whatever fake um, pitchfork in him pulling out and then him kind of following it. But when they reverse it, it's him going away from the pitchfork and then it going into him. So I don't know why they filmed it that oh, way, I didn't but it's that. yeah upside down and backwards. But um, but yeah, it's he gets it right to the throat and you're and that's kind of the first kill. Well, no, I mean Mike's is is gruesome, but you're like okay, this movie is is going for it. Like this is two kills now that are pretty gnarly. So I you will also say, and this wasn't even a kill when he puts up Linda, cause they've got, cause there are these like spikes in the shed and someone, you know, check off spikes are like, boy, I'd hate to get hit with one of those. Like <laughs> he just, he's hanging them on this, but the first one he puts up is already, uh, uh Linda's dead body. And just the way he just like, thunk, Pops that skull onto that spike. It yeah, was unsettling. That was a great shot. Or it was um, almost like almost even more so than like the everybody remembers the the Texas chainsaw hanging up on the hook thing. Yes. Um, it was, but I mean, it was that. That it was on was that level. Alive. That's like hard. Right, that right. Person was dead, but even with them being dead, you're just like, oh, unnecessary. Yeah, and Which, then oh, also we forgot about the cop. Because he killed. Oh yes, cop, which that was the one part that wasn't foreshadowing. Because the cop comes out because they're all out on the beach looking for Tom and Lin- or Linda and whatever, um, and Mike. And this cop's like, "Just be careful on the beach here. Get lightning on the beach." And I'm like, mm, "That's how the killer dies. He's gonna get electrocuted." The fucking lightning never happens ever. No, <laughs> never <nope>. comes down. <laughs> but that cop die. He gets decapitated by the battle axe else yeah is it too. yeah and, and let me ask you this is, is there is there something that gets him before he or gets beheaded or does he just get straight up beheaded i can't no, remember that's a, i think he, something else happens to him and then he gets beheaded 
Yeah. Right. I don't but the know. beheading is is pretty gnarly. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's a good beheading. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, they I read that they were even having trouble because they had the the fake head loaded up with uh, like blood packs and like before they could like really start filming it, like <laughs> one of the blood packs opened and it was already bleeding from like the nose and mouth before they even chopped it, which is kind of nice. Um, so yeah, that, that's a nice gnarly one. Now, by the time you get to that point, that's three gruesome kills. And it's, it's then that it really settles in like, okay, they, they are going for it in this movie. Like this thing has turned a corner. Like we are getting some gruesome kills here. Yeah. And then they really take it up a notch. Yeah. Cause earlier uh, in Chekhov's living room, they've introduced <laughs> the fishing gaff and so yeah now everyone's looking we've only got three people left um that was the other so thing. describe kind of, describe to a lot me. of like ancillary characters get it only the cop like the cop was kind of thrown in there there's always the one or two you know there's a hitchhiker or whatever who's the collateral damage um but the cop felt even forced for that but he was the only outside the group death that we have so describe for me what a gaff looks like. Uh, so it's just like a like, it's like a giant. Imagine um, like the old vaudeville where they would hook someone off the stage. Imagine instead of like a nice tapered wood uh, hook at the end of it, it's like an actual thing you would like hook a large fish or a shark with. Like it's like a giant sharp hook at the end of a very long pole. Yes. So this thing is is primed to do some damage no matter where it goes into the body. Yeah. And in this movie, they made a very interesting and some would say possibly even over the top decision. Yes. It's effective uh if it if you want to be horrified. Right. Right, cuz it's it's Sue um who gets this and there's a couple things that are unsettling about this about this scene but i i'm not going to exactly fault it one thing is usually in horror movies when somebody is captured or grabbed by the bad guy they're screaming bloody murder right but for whatever reason sue is kind of like she almost looks more paralyzed with fear yeah like she's kind of choking her but she doesn't struggle out of it very well right Right. And and that's kind of even makes the whole thing a little bit stranger. And then he plops her down on her back on a tool bench and then takes that gaff and he's he's got it in his hands and he's ready to aim it. And he drives it straight up her vagina. Yeah. Right. into and he like turns because it's up by her chin and then he starts turning it. And I was like, oh, no, no. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Please. No. And what's funny is it it uh, it goes it, it it seemingly penetrates her vagina and then comes out of what would be her lower stomach. Yeah. But what's funny is that when it it went into the body cast that they had built, the hook goes uh, seemingly into the the vagina, and when it comes out of what would be her lower stomach, it actually hooked onto a condom that was filled with blood that was used to, to hold the blood in the body cast. So when it comes out, they get, they actually kind of liked it because it sort of looked like intestines. Kind right, of. like a stretchy um, membrane yeah. on it. Right, Ooh, right. It's so, rough. 
It is. And it's, it's so rough that there were even crew members that, that refused initially to work on that scene. They just, they just didn't like it. And the director has admitted since that in retrospect, he, he would change that kill that in, in his mind, he thought, Hey, it's, it's a hook. It's a, it's a great murder instrument. Um, let's just put it in a place that'll get a real cringy reaction out of people, which it does do that. Right. But um, I, I think, or, I mean, he actually said that he would, he would change it if he went, if he could go back. Yeah. It's uh, it's such a weird, such a weird thing where you could just watch all this gore, but just one violation like that. And you're just like, Oh, now not in my gore. Come on. Right. Right. So that's, there's that one. And yeah. um and then the one of the other I don't mean to skip ahead, but one of the other major uh sections of gore that we just have to have to talk about is when we're finally in our climax, what you think is the climax of this movie is is awful. Like there are several different climaxes to this movie. Yeah. The first one, you're like, Jesus, I can't believe it was so awful, like so anticlimactic. But of course, Big Ed, um, our killer, has to come back again and even again a, a third time. But when they finally kill Big Ed, they've got him on the back of a car. And he's kind of like hanging on on the trunk area and they're they're reversing the car so they can ram him into a concrete wall. Yeah. He is then split in half and the, the policeman says, pull forward. Can you pull forward, please? <laughs> right. And upon doing so. Like the cop they, did not see what just happened at all. It was like, can you just, can you pull forward? <laughs> <laughs> it is just like that. It's so funny. And then when the car pulls forward, now Big Ed has been bisected and his torso is on the ground, but still manages to slice off the leg of the cop, yeah. which is hysterical. He's through the leg. Like he still has the strength. Yes, as a torso. bone with one swing. And apparently... And apparently that scene was kind of difficult to film because they literally had to bury the actor in the ground and he was losing circulation in his oh legs. God. So they'd have to bring it back out and then bury him again. And um, it's just, it's a great way to finish it off. I will say when, with the two in the car, cause uh, Ed Jr. Gets some, like stabbed in the leg or something. They don't really, not a lot happens to them, but so Ed and Pam are in the car, but as they're screaming, like, good screams like those were legit the best acting points from the ensemble in that movie right like they were legit terrified and i just i don't know if it was said well or poorly because a he never brings up the thing that happened when he was a kid or anything right so this is just a thing no one knows about I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and so as after they now they've already they've been fighting with this killer for 5 minutes. Finally they slam him into the stone wall and Ed Jr looks out the back and goes, "It's my dad." <laughs> <laughs> I died. I died. I didn't yeah. know if I was supposed to feel bad, but I was like, no one cares or knows. Yeah, it's kind of like the world's worst, like, meeting the parents moment. Like, 
<laughs> like, oh, by the way, honey, that's my dad. Right. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But, you know, that whole sequence is kind of fun because, like, even the ad-libbing, and I feel like it had to be ad-libbing, like, when, you know, Big Ed is, is still, while well, he's still one person, is on the roof and he's, like, slashing through the, the canvas roof of the car and, um, and, uh, and Pam is trying to light the, the cigarette lighter so she can burn Big Ed's hand, and she drops it. And she just goes, I'll get it, I'll get it. <laughs> yes. would, you, would you really say that in that moment? Like, oh, hold on, I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it. It's just right here. Okay, now I'll burn your dad. Um, Does that junior so, even know that's happening at that point? Oh, my God. It's, it's so funny. I mean, it's, it is, let's put it this way. For, for as much as this movie leaves so much to be desired um it really kind of starts to to make up for things and get back into your good graces with these kills and yeah. and that end sequence I'll, is great. i'll say this i didn't enjoy watching the movie that much it, ha- it had some great moments but it is really boring for a long chunk of time but i have had a fucking blast talking about it yes yes absolutely i mean and it's him also happy 25th episode 25 we episodes we made a benchmark and it's a big deal too because like i know that there are other different formats of shows that are a little looser format that you know people maybe just give commentary like watch parties and stuff like that and those are great i think i i, I really enjoy watching those but the i will say for our for our sake for our benefit um we put a lot of time into researching these movies. Yeah. And um, so 25 shows is actually like a hundred hours worth of, of researching and taking notes and, and, um, and it's great. And I love the fact that we don't, we don't really do a whole hell of a lot of editing except for when we have to, for, for sound reasons, yeah, like what, sound drops. Are you shocked yeah. to hear that? Cause you didn't know. Cause I've expertly edited it out. Yeah, you are you are smooth as silk on those edits. It really, I mean, it. I, when I listen, I'm I'm actually listening for it, but it's it's beautiful. I'm sure but, I'm, um, now but, I'm going to go back on this one and be like, oh, this one is uh, unavoidable. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But right. Uh, but no, it's Let's it's been it, one up. Yeah, it has been a great 25 episodes, um, and uh, I'm I'm so excited to do that much more. And and uh, one of these days we'll get back in the in the same room and bang these things out again. Um, but the, we're still cranking out great shows, and I love it. Yeah, and we're we're talking about we're gonna have a little bonus, my little anniversary bonus episode coming out. Just you know, keep yeah. your ears peeled. Uh, okay, so that was 1985's The Mutilator. Next week, Tim and I, we're going to be talking about the 1974 Baby Creeper, It's Alive, which I thought was Basket Case. I knew it was a, it's a little bit, I guess it's yes. Basket, and, and I started never watching the trailer for Basket Case, and I was like, this is not what I wanted. And then I was like, oh, it's, it's Alive. <laughs> Have you seen It's Alive? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it through, like retrospectives and like large clips and stuff like that, but I've never seen it. I haven't either, but it just looks like one of those, uh, you know, when it's like a rose, it's kind of like a Rosemary's baby, right? It's like, you actually have like some, some expertise production behind this horror idea. And doesn't it have the guy from the stuff? 
Oh, is that, it might. There's some there's some connection to It's Alive for a movie that you and I have done before. I can't remember what it is, but it might be that. All right. Well, I can't wait to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we, we will. We'll uncover it. But uh, no. This, yeah, I'm this excited. This is a good return to form, too. This is a good little slasher. We haven't done one of these in a while. So this was nice. Fun to do. Okay, so yeah, next is uh, It's Alive, blah, 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 all that. I can't drag this out anymore. So please uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, our handle is at Slumber Podcast Massacre. Email us, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing, what you'd like to hear, some movies you like, don't like, anything like that. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash slumberpodcastmassacre. A huge thanks to our patrons for uh, helping keep this show going. We hope we're not letting you down. Uh, that's all I've got. Tim, do you got anything else to say about the mutilator? Well, I'll just say uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Um, and, you know, be sure to tell your friends to, you know, listen to us and they can find us uh, on Video Machine. And uh, <laughs> we look forward to entertaining you for many, many more years to come. I hope we get the high score. See you, Timmy. <laughs> See ya.